welcome to episode 104 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's Word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about obedience, even if it doesn't make any sense. Let's dive in. In John chapter 9, there is a rather crazy passage. Uh, Jesus has been in the temple and and he's been dealing with the Pharisees throughout John chapter 7 and 8. And it's interesting that as he comes into chapter 9 of the book of John, it says that as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, it's interesting that here is Jesus. He's leaving the temple, as we find out at the very end of chapter 8. And as he's leaving the temple structure, it's he passes this blind man. Now, it was very common, obviously, in that culture for the blind and the, the lame and that kind of stuff to sit near the gates. And that way, as people were entering into a major facility or a structure, for example, the temple, that they could be asking for alms. Well, here is this man, and, and as the disciples and Jesus were passing by, the disciples decide to ask Jesus a question. Now, Jesus responds back in verse 3 and says, Well, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but it happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And I must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, as the passage goes on in verse 6, it's interesting that Jesus really takes his whole focus and puts it upon the blind man. And it says in verse 6 that when he has said this, Jesus spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. I mean, could you imagine this scene? Here's a blind man. He's, he's obviously been there for a, a while. He's seeking alms and help, and there's this discussion going on. And my guess is he could probably hear it. And no doubt he's probably feeling the accusation and and the pressure again of just being this outcast. And yet here's a man who comes up to him and spits on the ground, which is a little disgusting in my mind, and kind of mixes his saliva with some dirt and then kind of puts it upon your eyes. Now, I don't know about you, but this doesn't make any sense. If I was a blind man, in fact, I'd be like, whoa, 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 what are you trying to do here, buddy? Uh, I don't, I don't want your spit in the dirt on my face. And it's interesting that Jesus gives him a command and the command is go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Now think about this for just a second. Jesus just left the temple structure, which means that he's up near the top of the Mount of Jerusalem where the temple stood and the pool of Siloam will be down near the bottom where Hezekiah's tunnel meets and there was this great pool and all that kind of stuff. So in order for this man to go from where he is at near the temple all the way down to the base of this ridge or this little mountain hill, you realize this wouldn't have been like, hey, go around the corner and, you know, wash your face. Yeah, just go to the bathroom and, you know, just kind of clean it up. This is, he actually had to take a mini journey and go down a whole bunch of stairs to reach the pool of Siloam. Now, you could say, well, why did Jesus do it this way? And it's interesting that this is the only time he does it in this manner. In fact, when you look at how he heals a variety of blind men recorded in the Gospels, he does it in a variety of ways. 
which I actually think is absolutely beautiful because it reminds us that that God doesn't just work in a typical system or he doesn't just have a checklist that he goes down and says, oh, I did it. All right. This is a result. But we have to consistently and continually trust God for the answer that there isn't just one mode or model of how he always does healing. But the point of this whole thing is, well, we have to trust him for what he is wanting to do. Now, ponder this for just one second. All throughout the Gospel of John, John uses a language in terms of Jesus, that Jesus is the one sent from the Father, that Jesus is the sent one. And he is responding. What he is doing is always in response to the Father who is sending him out into the world to do what he's called to do. And it's interesting here that Jesus looks at this blind man and sends him to the pool of Siloam. In fact, John even says at the end of verse 7 that when Jesus says, go wash in the pool of Siloam, he kind of embeds this little statement just to bring some clarity. And he says, and that word Siloam means sent. So the man went away, washed and returned seen. So John kind of gives this parenthetical statement saying, It's interesting that here is Jesus, the sent one, sending a man to a pool that's called sent, which I just think is absolutely beautiful. And there's obviously a whole bunch of depth that you could study out if you want to. But here's what I want to focus on for just a moment. You realize that this man was called to live in obedience, that Jesus gave him a command to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And in reality, it just doesn't make sense. If you were a blind man, And you even heard that Jesus was around. You knew that he would do miracles. And wow, he's done these phenomenal signs and wonders. And a lot of times he would just speak and it would happen. Or he would lay his hand on somebody and they would be made well. So why do I, as the blind man, have to travel and go down a whole bunch of stairs to reach this pool of water? I mean, why can't you just do it right here? And it's interesting that the man is being proven in his faith and in his obedience even when it doesn't make sense. No doubt this man has been made fun of and mocked and accused all growing up. And the fact that there's a whole Roman legion or this whole Roman army around living in Jerusalem at the time, no doubt they probably, you know, in typical Roman fashion, was probably, you know, giving this man a hard time, would probably trip him. Obviously, this man no doubt lived a difficult life. And the fact that he had to walk down a whole bunch of steps which is not easy if you're blind. He had to get directions of, hey, you know, am I almost there? Am I supposed to, you know, you know, could you kind of help me here? That, that this was a difficult thing that Jesus was asking him to do. And yet he trusted in the word of Christ. That he believed what Jesus said and said, okay, I, I, I don't know. This makes no sense to me. And I've got all this mud with your spit on my face. I'll, I'll, I'll wash it off. I trust you. And it was only when he obeyed and went down to the pool of Siloam that he was made well. Now, you can follow this story through and to the rest of chapter nine. There's obviously this big accusation because, you know, Jesus was stirring and making clay, which was against the the sabbatical laws of the time. So the Pharisees accused Jesus. And of course, they bring the parents of this man in and say, well, was he really born blind? And and they, of course, they, they didn't want to be kicked out. And so they said, hey, he's of age, you know, so why don't you just ask him? And, and of course, I think the man is absolutely hilarious because as they keep questioning him over and over and over again, he finally gets to the point and says, well, why are you keep asking me? Are you wanting to be his disciples as well? 
which I think is actually quite a quite a humorous statement. But let me just apply this into our life. I don't know about you, but there are times where it feels like to walk forward in faith or to walk forward in obedience, it just seems like it at times it just doesn't make sense. And in many cases, it's like we have to have blind faith or blind obedience. Now, this man literally had blind faith and obedience. But we too oftentimes are called to follow this narrow way of the cross. And at times it just won't make sense. But what's interesting is if we would continue to traverse that road, there is life and hope and freedom and and clear sight at the end of it. Later on in the book of John, Jesus is talking to the disciples and he makes this statement in John chapter 14. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. In other words, Jesus is tying in this idea of loving him and obeying him. That somehow, if we begin to obey him, it actually demonstrates our love for him. And if we truly do love him, well, obviously we'll want to obey him. In his epistle, John writes this in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. He says, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And then he makes this statement, and his commandments are not burdensome. In fact, his commandments focus on love. Again, going back to John chapter 15, as he continues this dialogue with his disciples in the upper room, he says in John 15, verse nine, it says, as the father loved me, I also loved you remain or abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and remain in his love. And Jesus is saying, look, I obey my father. Why? Because I love my father. And if you love me, you will obey my commands. You will obey my word. Let me ask you, what is it that God is calling you to? What what areas of faith is, is he stretching you? What is he? What areas of obedience is he asking you to be faithful in or to obey him in? Can I encourage you, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it just seems like, why, Jesus, would I have this mud on my eyes and this spit? And why am I have to go down and make a fool of myself, literally having a face full of mud, walking down a whole bunch of steps in front of a whole bunch of people to wash in this pool? Can I just run over here and just grab a water faucet and just, you know, hurry and wash it off. See, even if it doesn't make sense, would you and I just entrust ourselves to him saying, you know what, Jesus, you know best. And even if it doesn't make any sense to me, I trust you and I do love you. So I'm going to obey you. Even if it seems weird, even if it just seems crazy, I want to obey your word because as I obey you, as I obey your commands, Oh, it is a revelation of love. In fact, your command is that I would love. As he says in John 15, verse 12, he says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. That ultimately, the greatest of the commands is, as Jesus was once asked, you know, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus goes back into the Old Testament into Deuteronomy chapter 6. And he says, it is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That if you were to sum up the entirety of the Old Testament, that is it. Love God. Just go crazy. Just love him with everything. And Jesus says, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
And yes, he gives us many commands in scripture that we are to obey, that we are to honor our parents and we are to be holy and, and refrain from sexual impurity. And, and we are not to gossip or fear or worry or have anxiety, that we are to walk in boldness and confidence in Christ Jesus. Those are all commands that we are called to live as believers. But here is what is so amazing to me about this reality of the New Testament, that every command that Christ gives us to, to live he empowers us to live that commandment via his Holy Spirit. That it's not just a finger in your face saying, hey, obey me. Hey, show your faithfulness. That he really comes and he equips us. He, he enables us to live out that command. So again, whatever it is that you're facing in life, whatever, is, whatever it is that he is calling you to walk in faithfulness, whatever it is that he is asking for obedience, as you come and as you read and study the word of God and you begin to hear the, the truth of his word and you begin to realize, wow, I am not living as I am called and commanded to live. Would you surrender yourself afresh to him, even if it doesn't make sense, especially in our culture, because you realize that there is enmity between the spirit and the flesh, between this world and how we are to live as believers. So if I'm going to live out the fullness of the Christian life, it won't make sense to this world. And I'm encouraged by this blind man who Jesus turned his entire focus upon and said, I am the sent one and I'm going to send you to a place called sent. <laughs> and I'm going to do something bizarre. I'm going to spit on the ground and make some mud and put it upon your eyeballs. And I'm going to ask you to walk this distance, go down the hill. I want you to wash. It's not going to make sense to you, but you're going to find healing there. Would you obey Jesus in everything? Would you not question what he's asking you? In fact, the idea is to have a predecided yes, that even before he asks you to do anything, even before you come and read and study the word of God, even before you hear the commands of the Lord, which are not burdensome, you realize, but even before you hear them, would you have a disposition of soul that just says, yes, whatever you want, Jesus. Yes, I want to obey you. Why? Because I love you. And Lord, it doesn't have to make sense to me that I trust that you know what's best. You are the faithful one. So I'm going to place my faith and trust in you. And I am going to obey even if I, even if I can't see the outcome. And if you're a parent, that should make sense. How many times when I was a little kid, my mom would say, hey, don't play out in the street, which didn't, that, that was so mean because it looked like that was where all the fun was at. That's where all the cars are at. That, hey, that's where all the bikes were at. I want to play in the street. And yet she knew better than me. And even though it didn't make sense to me at five years old, she, she knew what was actually what I needed. And so she said, don't play in the road because it's going to hurt you. In a similar manner, would you trust Jesus every moment of every day and everything that he asks of you and walk in faithfulness and obedience to his word? Well, I hope that short thought would just be an encouragement and a conviction that you and I need to walk in obedience no matter if it makes sense or not. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 104 for episode 104. And until next time, know I am cheering you on as you build your life and as you live in faithfulness and obedience to Jesus Christ.